Hello and welcome to Butterflies on the Wheel, where life's array of unsung bastards are finally held accountable for their actions. Uh, sorry for the terrible microphone quality in this little intro bit, but this is a special episode, the best of Series 2. Uh, we've already done one for Series 1, and it's basically where Sebastian, Ragu and I pick our favourite stories from the previous series and put them into one easily digestible episode in anticipation of the release of Series 3, which will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we thought we'd drum up excitement among the literal tens of you out there, really work you up into a frenzy. For those of you listening for the first time, uh, congratulations, you are lazy, you have avoided listening to our back catalogue, but fair play to you, I wouldn't have wanted to do that either. Um, And welcome to the Trivial Trial. We have just three simple rules. One, no more than three minutes for opening arguments, although that always gets ignored, I don't know why we have it in. Two, the crime must be trivial. Leave the really bad bastards of the world to the actual courts and the big guy upstairs. And three, the punishment must fit the crime. Um, just to say in the build up to series three, please follow our Instagram at Butterflies Podcast, our Twitter at Butterflies Pod, and more importantly, email us with your own trivial criminals um, at our Gmail account, which is butterfliespodcast at gmail.com. If you do that, we will read it aloud as a special standalone episode and create a bespoke punishment for you uh, in a service we lovingly call a consultancy. That's cunt sultancy. Finally, 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 to those who have listened before, um, a earnest, I guess, thank you. Uh, We have seen the numbers go up between the series, which means that you have all been telling people about the show, and that's really all we can ask for. Um, It's how we grow, um, and it's really uh, pleasing and exciting for the three of us. So without sounding too wanky, although I think I have already failed in that, thank you and keep listening. Uh, Cheers, and enjoy this best of episode. I want to take the listeners back far into the mists of time, where the stench of trivial criminality somehow always lingers. The time, three years ago, the setting, Spain, or España for our Spanish listeners, or Spain for our white listeners who claim they speak Spanish on LinkedIn. (laughs) The suspect, my father. The crime. Well, let's just fucking see, shall we? Wait, are you putting your dad on the podcast? Now, as usual, I will begin with a defense of my character. The listeners may remember, I am not only a deeply devout Catholic, raised by a father who wanted to be a monk, and a mother who came from an Irish-Italian spider family of 14 children, but I am also a gay. Yes, ladies... You heard it here. I'm sorry to disappoint you all, but I am, in fact, gay. I have been ever since I was seven years old and went on my first gay porn site with my friend in second grade at his house when his mom, was, when his, when his mom wasn't home. I'm pretty sure the theme was military. You're getting emotional just talking about <laughs> Anyway, what does this have to do with my character? Well, I have always been a bit secretive. Catholic, gay, and liberal. It was hard to believe anyone would ever accept me. So I hid myself and I hid myself until finally I bravely came out to my parents when I was 16, blind drunk and stumbling home at 4am. Suddenly all the secrets melted away. There I was, 16, gay, addicted to marijuana, overweight, and ready to share myself with the world. It was a confusing time for us all. And my family was especially confused. It took them a hot second to figure out how to deal with me. Especially my 900-year-old father, who despite... (laughs) despite living through the sexual revolution of the 60s, came of age in a different era for queers. For one, an an era in which queers were still called queers and not in a nice way. (laughs) 
So mentalities only evolve so much, and I've always had to be aware of this, but I didn't know to what extent until we set off three years ago on a holy pilgrimage, father and son, cycling the ancient Camino to reach Santiago de Compostela, a major pilgrim hotspot since like the 1400s when my dad was 10. <laughs> the pilgrimage is going pretty well up to this point. We're in day three. We've just cycled 80 kilometers on that day. We had been over a huge mountain. There were actual tears cried on the journey. We're both exhausted by the time we get to the medieval town of Burgos. We go out for our first tapas of the evening, have a beer and some vile chorizo before deciding to Google where the locals eat. I'm an expert at this. I quickly find a fabulous place. My father, Tony, is relieved at the sight and sound of, quote, real Spanish people, unquote, in the restaurant. So we go in and we stand at the bar. We're ordering wines. We're yelling for different tapas. We're just fitting in like two cool Spanish cats. Um, and after about two glasses of cava and a red wine, Tony's feeling himself. He's feeling confident. So he says to me, why don't we stay for dinner? pointing at the empty area with empty chairs and tables. So I go to ask the head waiter if we can grab a table. Now it's around 7 p.m., which in Spain is not dinner time. Um, as you may or may not know, the Spanish eat very late, often not until 10 p.m. Then they wake up late the next morning, take a nap in the middle of the day because it's too hot. <coughs> Their economy is thriving, of Today's course. Civilized culture. So I ask the waiter in my high school Spanish if we can grab a table for two. He, said, he gives me the usual snobbery and ends up saying, no, we don't have room, while I'm pointing to the literally tens of empty tables and sets of empty chairs. Whatever, you know, get over it. Thanks anyway. Uh, I walk back to bear Tony the devastating news. Now, my father likes to get his way, but his reaction was surprising, even for an impatient 900-year-old. What drivel, he exclaims. <laughs> Nonsense! He then starts to retreat and sort of simmer in his anger. Meanwhile, I'm just looking around for hot Spanish guys and slamming sausage down my throat. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, Tony looks up from his sulking. You know what it is, he says to me? I bet he thinks we're a couple. He doesn't want to serve two gay guys. <laughs> now, setting aside the what hilarious... The <laughs> setting aside the hilarious joke that me... A live, blonde bombshell of 24, and my father, a withering 900-year-old lizard, would ever be a couple, I quickly realized a seriously trivial crime was being committed here. Dad, I say, he absolutely does not think that. He's just being a dick. He doesn't think you're gay. Yeah, well, I bet he's assumed. And why is that, Dad? Now, Tony looks uncomfortable for a moment. Well, never mind. Let's go somewhere else. So clearly... My dad is implying that I'm such a mincing fairy that the waiter has clocked my homosexuality and is assuming that Tony must also be tainted. <laughs> because I'm a good son, I internalize this trauma. But before the court and in the presence of this most serious and real judge, Raghu Kartavan, I condemn my father for implying that I was so gay that everyone must also think he was gay and also for <laughs> dreaming that he could ever punch at my weight. Judge, jury, thank you very much. Okay, okay. I love the gay by association, just like... The, the second part of that is, the second part of that is accurate. I mean, like, there is a, an age difference between you and your dad. There, there is a centuries <laughs> difference. There are literally centuries between us. But that first bit, he's spot on. <laughs> I've been in a situation with you where I've been out, and people have thought that we're together, because I 
you know throw off gay vibes as well like right so you you already made my point for me that has nothing to do with me in your case because you are a knobbly need limp limp wristed <laughs> homosexual <laughs> wannabe in your own right that has nothing to do with me but. you're flamboyantly dressed you, dr- you think you're morrissey you just <laughs> have always wanted to sample the gay life i know you have jack yeah, it's true when i saw you across the bar yeah. <laughs> that first time i thought oh he's kind of cute Maybe I'm sure he's gay. <laughs> That's how we started. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I feel like you do that with everyone. And then I made out with Frank. <laughs> um, no, you are a weapon. Gay enough to gay an entire room. Absolutely. Oh my god! Thank you. That is a, no, I'm, a ser- I'm serious. But like, without being so in your face. Like, I went out the other day with someone who was dressed as a, a gay guy who was dressed as a hen. <laughs> as a gay guy. <laughs> yeah, he was dressed as a gay guy. I went out with someone the other day who was dressed as a sort of hentai princess. He had like a must. Oh, wow. a must Mustache, which was bleach blonde, and was sort of like wearing like skirt, bare legs, um, and we were going to like the theatre. Like, this sounds pretty hot, honestly. You're not that, but you're not a million not miles away. <laughs> I you have to dress up as a hentai princess. At <laughs> I mean, it's not Saturday. Um, no, I and I get that. Like, I understand that I just give off these powerful pheromones of gay virility. But the the real crime here is co-opting my experience as a gay man, as a gay white privileged man who suffers, I don't know, once every 10 years for his gayness. Um, And it's usually (laughs) self-inflicted. (laughs) Co-opting. Usually because I'm in my hentai getup and I'm assaulting someone on the street. But what what Tony, my lizard father, did was co-opt my experience as a gay man. And because I'm so white and privileged, it's not a real crime it's a trivial crime mm. all right I'll, I'll i'll accept it i will accept your petition but what are your thoughts on it what are my thoughts well i have notes i made notes because you handed me a piece of paper and a pencil i've never done this before um you get plus points for the callback i love the accent stuff you get plus points for the dad aid jokes oh i've also written down here this is so long negative <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's good to know where I, I stand it. early on. You get on. points for drivel, slamming sausage, mincing homosexuality, and condemn my father. I like that at the end because it's got, sort of got like a, a Grecian sort of aspect yeah, to it. Yeah, medieval. I feel like- Do you think that the waiter actually did, and I want you to answer this in a hundred words or few. <laughs> few. <laughs> um, I'm sorry I have a flair for language, okay? I'm sorry I have a, a, bit, a bit of a vocabulary that I'd like to share with the world and I my like listeners, my fans. To, I like how you tried to say vocabulary with a French accent and then <laughs> gave up I was going to say vocabulary. Yeah. But look, did the waiter not serve you because of your gay? I don't think so because I don't think he saw me sucking that guy off in the corner until later. Um, no, I like my dad and I, everyone would assume that I am my father's son before they would assume that I am his gigolo. It's insane to me. The other thing is I was dressed very conservatively. I mean, you know that I am a very fashionable, flamboyant model of Hmm. style. But when you're cycling, you know, 750 kilometers through northern Spain, you can't pack the whole wardrobe. So I was wearing like really boring, you know, well, beautiful linen shirt, obviously, but really simple, you know, nothing to suggest there's not, and I, I don't like walk around like with the limp wrists and everything. So why didn't he serve I, I'm you? I'm aware that I'm over a hundred. You're words. so far. <laughs> <I'm trying. laughs> Can we hear some fucking punishments, please? So the next time he goes into a restaurant, I want the staff to sort of look at him funny and start talking amongst themselves. He sits down. He prepares to order, but when he looks up from the menu, the manager is standing over him, and it's like a really burly 
mustachioed. Is he red? In my head, hulking, he's like quite like pink, like really thick, muscled man <laughs> with ruddy cheeks and his arms yeah. folded across his chest. I like it. And he just looks straight at my father square in his eyes and says, "Sir, we don't serve your kind in this establishment." <laughs> does what's he specify his, what's his what kind? kind? Yeah. Or does he just leave it hanging? Doesn't matter. Oh. He just has to know. I like that. He just has to know that he's been pegged. Like he's been pegged and not in the fun anal way. <laughs> Counselor Caravan, please approach my caravan. Thank you very much. And hitch your wagon to my. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> I love how he just let you die. No interjection, just watch him go. <laughs> This is what he was meant to do. <laughs> to begin with, a question. Have you ever, ladies and gentlemen, men and boys, pimps and shepherds, been hit in the chest by a charging rhinoceros? I haven't, but I imagine it's a singularly disheartening experience. Mm. For one, because you'd probably die, but mainly because you'd have been killed by a herbivore. Anyway, <laughs> this story is dedicated to the victims of rhinoceros violence. I have no idea where this is going, but I was taking the train as usual. <laughs> I was taking the train one fine day some weeks ago from Bank Station. Yes, ladies, I work in the city. No, I don't have Tinder, but I do have a podcast which makes me pretty sexy. Bank Station itself is not very sexy. It's incredibly crowded, and to get to most of the trains, you have to delve deeper than the dwarves in the fucking mines of Moria, and we all know what happened to them. Is that if the ladies weren't signed up to you before? Now that Lord of the Rings <laughs> they trivia are now. is that Lord of the Rings? Good. I'm, I'm glad we're all, all, all on the same page. So here I was, grim of face, determined to make this arduous journey without incident, much like Gandalf, when I happened upon a trivial criminal. We've all encountered this crime, and never want to shy away from traducing my own audience. I suspect several of our tens of listeners have committed it. Hmm. It is the absolutely heinous act of walking in crowded spaces while looking at your phone. Oh, mm. oh. Mm. rhinoceros. Mm. I get it now. And I don't mean for a few steps. I mean with your nose stuck to the screen, coating it with grease, which you then (laughs) smear around with your grubby little fingers, you filthy fucks. (laughs) Anyway, back to bank station. Here I am, loins girded, ready to brave the abyss that is public (laughs) transport in London, nimbly wading through the crowd, avoiding oncoming traffic with grace and style and verve. When this sentient sack of bile and waste, despite my best efforts, walks straight into me. Now, this would be bad enough. Enough, I dare say, for this court to return a guilty verdict. But my tale of woe does not end here. Not only did she walk into me, in the second before she made contact, when her crap peripheral vision registered the presence of human being inches from her, she raised her elbow in an aggressive gesture and thrust it into my chest. You might expect, my dear friends, for this tragic encounter to end here. You would expect wrong. She tops off this virtuoso performance of absolute incompetence by having the brass fucking neck to give me a dirty look. Oof. As if I was the party at fault here. And it is for this trifecta of shithousery, this Venn diagram of stupidity, (laughs) that I condemn this foolish fuck before this court. What I like about this is that you can tell Sebastian that he's really annoyed because he's written it down for the first <laughs> time ever. That was the most literate trivial crime I've ever heard from Lag- Lagu. Lagu. From Lagu. Lagu. From Mango Lassi Lagu. <laughs> um, you have no idea. Truly. I mean, I can, 
I can see it oozing out of you. <laughs> I can see it oozing out of you. It's actually kind of scary, but also sexually yeah. exciting. So the trip... Okay, can I do a Sebastian impersonation here? So the real crime here, the real <laughs> trivial crime not here, bad. Um, is the dirty look. Because, yeah. like, mm. we all make mistakes and stuff, but actually to not own up your, your mistake... Because it wouldn't be a trivial crime no. if their reaction was go, I'm really sorry, I'm a fucking idiot. No. Because then you'd be like, hey, we're best friends, do you want to go out later? Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. But... Yeah, no, it's it's the it's the we had contact, it was unpleasurable, and therefore it has to be the other person's fault. Yeah, and it is mm. your literal fault because mm. I'm looking at people mm. yeah. and avoiding them. Yeah. With grace and style and verve. And verve. Oh, especially in England, where everyone automatically assumes that it's their fault. Yeah. And <laughs> says sorry nine hundred times. They say so sorry like, for things that don't require you to say sorry. They no. say sorry for excuse me. Yeah, well, I mean, when I meet someone I say sorry. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Um, but but like that's the that's what really shocks me about this is that we've all entered into this social contract in London to yeah. apologize for everything exactly and she has the gall the wherewithal to question that social contract as to a, breach it fulfilling my role as a as a prosecutor here um, maybe your fault because you were the only pair of eyes in that situation so you did just walk right into her interesting but have interesting. you ever have you ever tried to navigate Bank Station at rush hour? There's yeah. a limited amount of space where you can dodge into. Mm. But if two people are attempting to dodge, there's enough space for you both to make a half dodge and avoid each other. But I think what Jack is saying is that the species has evolved to be eyes in screen, grease head on phone. This is what you would and think. operate on peripheral vision. You are actually the lame duck in this situation. <laughs> this is what you would think, but you would be wrong. You are a duck. I am not a duck. She is a fuck. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> I have some other notes that I'd like to go over. Um, first of all, I just love the way that you say thrust. I also... As in, as for thrust or for... Yeah. Okay, nice. What do you mean thrust? thrust? Say it again. Me or him? Oh, obviously you. <laughs> thrust. Oh, it's good. Uh, I like the way you talk about a rhinoceros horn blow being disheartening because it would literally remove your heart exactly. from your chest. I also like the Venn diagram of stupidity. So yeah. you get a lot of... And you might even call it the vent diagram <laughs> of stupidity. Why? Just to build. Because he's venting on this podcast. Uh, God. That's actually marketable. The vent, the vent <laughs> the diagram. diagram. The vent diagram. We own the vent diagram. <laughs> Do not take the vent diagram, listeners. I would like to hear some punishments. As usual, I've delved deep philosophically. Yes. Theologically. Yes. Culturally, yes. spiritually. And I realize that this is, in essence, antisocial behavior. And what does society give us? We are social animals and it gives our lives meaning. Mm. Our relationships define our happiness. In the final accounting, on our deathbeds, few people will want to be surrounded by shareholders for whom they created value. They want their family and friends, the people who brought them joy. And in fact, this is what this person was probably trying to do. Make joy in a world too often deprived of it. But mm. she walked into me <laughs> and she done fucked up. As you all know, I recently returned from Greece, the font of Western civilization. And it is to ancient Greece we return for my punishment. Since her appreciation for society is lacking, I propose that Karen, it's probably Karen, <laughs> Definitely Karen. be publicly and permanently ostracized from society. <laughs> it's time for you, Jack, Jacqueline, to uh, give us your story. Uh, <clears throat> word up my homies 
fuck's sake. The court will recall a few weeks ago when the streets of London were clogged by uh, Extinction Rebellion, a socio-political movement uh, which uses non-violent resistance to protest against climate breakdown. Thank you, Wikipedia. The record will state that this movement has my absolute full support. The sun may very well explode in 500 million years. Oh my god, I know. I talk but, about that all the time. But this planet is folding faster than a cheap tent. Thus, I vote green, I donate to Greenpeace, and of course, I was planning to rebel myself after work. I was looking forward to doing something cool like chain myself to a truck in the name of peace and love or headbutt a police horse. That's right, listeners. <laughs> Despite literally everything I have ever said on this near podcast, I am actually woke as fuck. Hashtag woke. Anyway, my plans to rebel were scuppered by a silly bitch named Martha. Hashtag woke. <laughs> Martha, that's her real name, by the way, um, is... How do I put this eloquently? She's entitled. She's entitled. She's spoiled. She's unreliable. She's... Lolly, she's kissy cuddle, she's stroke her belly, she go by the back of your legs, but it's gonna be far. She lolly, her lolly stroke her belly sometimes as well. She likes it very much. She's my dog. Um, on the morning of the first rebellion, Martha was taken on a walk by my simple bumpkin family up in the prehistoric shire of Essex. She did this really cute thing that she does sometimes, which is start running, continue running, um, and then not come back for nine hours. I was in London. So I got word out on social media while my family hurriedly sacrificed a sheep to their pagan gods for Martha's safe return. <laughs> I love how much this cracks you up. She was eventually found nine hours after going missing by people who had seen my Facebook post, uh, cementing my position as the best person to ever exist in the history of time. An hour earlier, however, when I got off work, Martha was still AWOL and my, I was naturally in a disgusting mood. So I'm cycling home on my normal route, which just happens to take me past Big Ben, uh, where one of the Extinction Rebellions is about to take place. It's quite an eerie, quiet atmosphere. There are no cars allowed, um, just cyclists and, and rebels. I see a woman on the pavement in front of me. Now, I was going, I was going to describe her in detail here, but uh, based on feedback I've received on past episodes, particularly episode 17, Fat Guy on a Plane Times 2, Whenever I spend time focusing on how a trivial criminal looks, it can distract listeners from the actual crime and apparently also makes me appear somewhat bigoted. So I will limit myself to three descriptive words and let the listeners bigot it out from them, for themselves. Nothing about this is limited. White, <laughs> dreadlocked, vegan. I see her out of the corner of my eye moving towards the road. She's got a hooter thing you might have at a sporting event. As I pass her, she leans in as close to me as she can and blows the hooter into my ear. <clears throat> now. White power. Because my... Because my <laughs> that doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> because my cherished family dog was missing presumed dead, I was quite eager to get home and check for updates. However, I wish now that I'd followed my initial instinct to slam on my brakes and ask her quite politely, um, excuse me. Sorry, may I ask, what are you here for? What did you set out to do when you came here today, wearing your patchwork harem pants? No, seriously, I want to know. Why are you here? Literally, answer me. It's okay, don't cry. I just want to know, why are you here? Shall I tell you? You are here to protest widespread ecological collapse and those responsible for it. Now, describe what I am currently doing. <laughs> Or are you literally blind, as well as blind to irony? I am riding 
a bike. I am the solution. You are literally attacking the solution to the problem you are protesting about. So put, so put your hooter away. So made put, out your, of, put your hooter. <laughs> it was going so well. Put my hooter, please. So put your hooter away. So put your hooter away. Made out of plastic, by the way. You breathing oxymoron. And reconsider yourself. Because of you, I now no longer want you to succeed in your aim to extend the lifespan of this planet. Because if it's a choice between total ecological Armageddon and spending my existence on the same Earth as people like you, I will take my chances in the sulfur dioxide thunderstorms as my friends and family die around me. <laughs> I, want to well, meet, I want to meet this person. I want to meet her. I have met her many, <laughs> many times. I've never seen anybody as thick as this. She, she hooted. She pooted a hooter in she, me. She pooted her hooter <laughs> at a cyclist. Oh, no, I don't have any words. I mean, it's possible that she was trying to rouse you out of your middle-class complacency into some activism. It's just, I mean, it, one, it, of the, one of the worst things you can do <clears> is like get people who are in their daily lives mm. clearly on your side because mm. you didn't just choose to cycle on a whim. Yeah. Uh, I'm sacrificing my safety for the good of the fucking no, I climate. Mean, I think that's, yeah, the planet's going to be fine without us. Yeah. It doesn't matter what we do. Yeah. We we will become extinct. She yeah. will she she will probably become extinct sooner because she doesn't eat enough protein from meats. <laughs> yeah. What that means to me is like we've got to take care of each other, right? We've got to look out for one another while mm. we have a few years left before the sulfur dioxide storms yeah. take us and our families. Um, <laughs> I can breathe sulfur dioxide. That's can all Indians. All, in- all Indians. <laughs> what? <laughs> but if that guy who didn't stop your phone thief had had a hooter then he should have pooted his hooter he would have pooed him off the bike he pooed him off the bike right and, there and then and there so a hooter can be pooted in a good cause yeah obviously look we're not suggesting you can that a hooter in a good place. we're not suggesting for a second here on this podcast and i want to it's absolutely clear to anyone listening a, you, a good place you can you can poot a hooter in a good situation <laughs> but do not poot your hoot for any extraordinary reasons certainly not for the environment no not for the environment work <laughs> not quite how are you going to punish your so for her, I, I feel that, Shove that nope <laughs> I feel <laughs> no basically I hope that for her next birthday which I hope is soon um, her friend her, her one of the friends who she was vegans with vegans don't have birthdays <laughs> <laughs> they, they go by the horoscopes but basically on her next horoscopic um, cycle her next lunar birthday <laughs> her friends give her a you know you know how like sometimes you can donate a goat to someone for their birthday a what? you know for Christmas you can donate a goat and it goes to a family a, a oh, or sure. plant a tree in their name right. like yeah. you've heard of this? so basically I hope that she gets gifted a endangered dolphin um, to look after and it's her dolphin and that friend says look it's worth 35 pounds and this is going to guarantee the safety of this dolphin and also with loads of these perks um, you get to get regular updates from the dolphin and the dolphin like writes letters to you but actually obviously it's just the people on the boat taking photos of it and stuff and they can track it and you can get an app and you can track the dolphin all around the world it's great and she develops a real affinity to this dolphin some would say sexual but that's by the by one update comes about four months down the line which um, is tragic actually the little dolphin um, BB 
has died, um, which is dreadful. And my vegan friend is is obviously gutted um, and reads the letter wondering, how? How could this be? And uh, she notices that, that, well, she gets told that the dolphin BB um, died by choking on a single-use plastic that resembled a lot like the hootapoota that she <laughs> threw in the boon after hooting it at me. And she has to spend the rest of her life with guilt knowing that her poot fooked a doof. Deep-throated. Deep-throated a doof. <laughs> to death. Give me a second. We are, by the way, going to really massively improve our Dutch fan base. On this. <laughs> <laughs>